Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. And what a great morning of worship so far as it leads us into this time uh, to open the word together. My name is Patton. I'm the student pastor here at Judson. Pastor Jeff is out today. It's been fall break, uh, so he is out of town, and I'm honored to share the word with you today. And we have been in a series um, about bearing fruit, and we've talked about bearing the fruit of righteousness. We've talked about the discipline of bearing fruit over the last few weeks. And today I get the honor of starting to look at the fruits of the spirit as listed in Galatians chapter five. And I get to start with the word love. Everyone say love. That was pretty good. Y'all are awake this morning. You listen. So the word love. Yes. So as we open up and talk about this word love, it's a big idea. Like it feels at first, it seems like, oh yeah, love. That's easy. We can jump into love. We can talk about love, you know, but it's a, it's a big concept. And as we look into the society that we live, the culture in that we live, the word love is used so many times, it's used all over the place. And so as we look at this to help us discover what love looks like, we're gonna look at a couple of passages. Our primary passage will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but also we're gonna be looking at that passage in comparison with Galatians chapter five, in which that is the passage that the fruit of the spirit is listed. So I wanna start, you don't have to flip to Galatians chapter five. I want to read just a section of this as we get started because it will inform how we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love chapter, right? It's a famous chapter in the Bible. It's used in weddings, actually in um, mine and Gracie's wedding, we had it like in the icing around the cake. Love is patient, love is kind, right? Like it's used all over the place. But I think for us to look at it in terms of bearing the fruit of love, the fruit that comes from the spirit, we must look at it in terms of what Galatians chapter five says for us so that we get an opportunity to look at 1 Corinthians 13 in a new light today. So in Galatians chapter five, Uh, Verse 16, it says this, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. So we see these two opposing things. We see the Spirit in the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, the flesh and the Spirit, opposing things. They cannot be together. It continues on so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are under the law. And then it continues on. It talks about the fruits of the flesh. But then in verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love. The first one listed there is love. So what we discover in this passage in Galatians 5 and what we will unpack as we look in 1 Corinthians is that the spirit cannot be present with the flesh and vice versa. So if we want to produce the fruit of love that comes from the spirit, then we must live in the spirit and not in the flesh. 
to, to produce the fruit of love in our life, we must walk with God. So this idea of love is in society everywhere. If you've watched a movie recently, it's probably been a love story, right? In just about every movie there is made, there's some sort of love story involved. Not even necessarily just a romantic love story, but a, a friendship, a family, whatever it may be, there is usually a love story involved. When you listen to music, most songs that are written are about love, probably 90% of songs, I'm just throwing out a number, but a lot of songs are about love. If you've read a book recently, love is probably involved in some way. So we live in a society that is saturated with the concept of love. So that makes it difficult for us to bring it down to truly define love. And I think what will help us this morning is if we look back at the New Testament, we see the New Testament was actually written in Greek and there were four words for the one word that we have love used. These four words, maybe you've heard them before. Um, first one is eros. This is a romantic type of love. The next one we have phileia. This is a friendship type of love. We have storge, that is a familial love, a love you have for a mother or a sister or a brother. But then the type of love that we will see today is agape love. This is a selfless, sacrificial love, the ultimate form of love that God has shown us, the type of love that we have sung about over and over and over this morning is the agape form of love. This is the overarching form of love that there is. You can have agape love in a family relationship or romantic, right? You can have this overarching sacrificial love in all of your relationships. It is above all other forms of love, the most important type of love. And this is the only love that comes, the only place that it comes from is God. So as we look at our passage today in 1 Corinthians, every time the word love is used, it is agape love. So it's not talking about family relationships, even though it could, you know, it could relate to that. You know, we use it at weddings a lot of times. And yes, it can relate to that, but that's not specifically what it's talking about. It's talking about the overarching, powerful love of God. This type of love is not based on emotions. It not, it's not based on a criteria to live up to. It's based on a choice that requires sacrifice. So we're gonna open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're gonna read eight verses here. So if you have your Bible, follow along with me. It will also be on the screen behind you. And it says this. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word that you have given us today. Help us today as we look at this to understand your love more than we did yesterday. Lord, we need your love in our lives. Everything we do is worthless without your love. We thank you for loving us by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, showing the ultimate form of love. Lord, that is the love that guides us in our life. Lord, help us to understand that and help that love that you have shown us overflow into our lives. It's your name we pray, amen. So in this passage today, we're gonna look at three main points, and they're actually very simple points, but I want us to expand on them as we jump into it. We'll discover that true agape love, the love that is used in this passage, And we will learn what it looks like to produce the spiritual fruit of love in our own life. So the first point I have for us is this, simple. Life without love is meaningless. Life without love is meaningless. Paul describes a list of things he refers to as worthless without love. The interesting thing and the significant thing about this list is the things that he lists are positive. They're not negative things, right? So he lists here, he says, if I speak human or angelic tongues, that's good, but don't have love. I'm just like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, that's a good thing. If I had unlimited faith and can move a mountain, but don't have love, I'm nothing. Life without love is meaningless. It's worthless. We can come into this building, we can play instruments, we can go to life group, we can do all of the religious things that are good, but if we don't have the love of God in us, then it's all worthless. It's pointless. So the underlying question here I think we must answer is, what is love? What we understand in scripture, what we actually read a moment ago in 1 John chapter four, we realize that God is love. Everyone say that with me. God is love. 
Oh, come on. Say, say it after me. God is love. There we go, there we go. God is love. He is the author and creator of everything. And that means he is the author and creator of love. And he has shown that love to us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. When we look in the Bible in Genesis chapter 22, the first time that love is used in scripture was relating to Abraham and his son, Isaac. So God went to Abraham and said, you must sacrifice your son, Isaac, for me. And when God described Isaac, Abraham's desire for Isaac, he described him as the one that Abraham loves. This is the first time love is used in the Bible. And it relates to a father's love for a son. Now, this is significant. We realize in that story that in the end, God provides a perfect sacrifice, a lamb to be slaughtered for the sacrifice. So he does not have to give up his son. But this paints a picture for us of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God sent his son to come and die on the cross for our sins, showing the ultimate form of love. He gave up something. He sacrificed something for us. Aside from God, we cannot understand what love is because he is love and he is the one that has shown us what true agape love is. So we can't look into society and try and figure out what love is. We must look to the creator, the originator of love, and there we will find it in the story of Jesus Christ. That is the story of all of scripture is the story of God's love that he has for me and for you. We see this all throughout scripture. Let me read some passages for you here. I love this. Y'all can maybe fill in the blanks for me. God so love the world, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. right? This is how we come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should lay down our lives for our brother. First John three sixteen. But God proves his own Love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loves us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. So God's love for us is almost unimaginable. Without this love, life is meaningless. We can have all the things, but without love, life is meaningless. If you have not experienced this love in your life. If you have not given your life to Christ and experienced this unimaginable love 
in your life. I encourage you to do that today. For those of you in here that are followers of Jesus, God has brought you into this love so that you can also show this love. So the only way for us to understand this love and receive this love is a relationship with God. But once we are followers of Jesus, then he calls us to show this love to the world. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Matthew 22, 37 to 40. I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34 to 35. So life without love in our life is meaningless. You can have religion. You can have all the good things. You can come in here. You can sing songs, can attend life group and so on and so forth. But without the love of God, none of it is worthwhile. You know, I think back in scripture to the story of Jonah. You know, the famous story getting swallowed by a whale. And Jonah, you know, as VeggieTales say, Jonah was a prophet, but he never really got it. Like that's kind of the line in the VeggieTales song. He never got it because he did not have love. God called him to go to a people, the Ninevite people that he hated. He despised and honestly it felt rightly so because they were not good people. They were mean people. They opposed the Israelite people, but God told him to go and to share about him with them. And he didn't want to. He did not love them. He did not care for him. them. So he ran away, got swallowed by a well, spit out, all that. It finally ended up in Nineveh and shares about God and people come to know God. They come to start following God in that whole kingdom. It was incredible. But yet, Jonah was still kind of miserable. He didn't like what he had done because he didn't care for the people. He didn't have love. It's kind of a sad story in the end. So are you like Jonah? When you look at the world around us, when you look at people, are you lacking this type of love for them? See, if we have the love of God in us, then it must overflow to the world around us. Have you experienced the love of God through a relationship with Jesus? And if you have, are you letting that love overflow in your life? The second thing we see in this passage is that love is focused on others. Another simple statement, right? Love is focused on others. In verse four, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all 
things. So we see a list here of descriptors of what love is. And everything that we see in this list is opposed to selfishness and pride. I could spend time going through each of these, but what I want to point out is that our nature, our tendency is actually not to live out these things. We don't tend to be patient or kind. We tend to envy and be boastful and prideful and selfish in those ways. And I can prove this to you. If you've had kids or married, had friends, had parents, you've heard some phrases before uh, that are interesting. I have a five-year-old son that I love dearly and he is a, he's a really good boy. But there are some phrases that I often say to him that directly correlate to this passage. Callum, be patient. Use kind words. You don't always get what others have. Don't show off when you win. There are things that you don't know. Don't be rude. Not everything is about you. Have a happy heart. Can you forgive others? It's not funny to disobey, right? Like those are directly correlated to this passage. And you have probably had all of these phrases said to you at some point in your life. Our tendency is to go against these. And what that is called is our flesh. Our flesh is our disordered desire to do things outside of God's plan. We see this from the beginning with Adam and Eve. They wanted to be king of their own life rather than making God their king. So they ate of the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and sin came into this world and we live in a sinful and broken world and each one of us in this room are sinful and we fight against our flesh because our desire, our tendency is to do the opposite of the things listed in this passage. So if we're selfish and prideful by nature, how do we actually bear the fruit of love? Well, we have this battle that we read about in Galatians chapter five, the flesh versus the spirit. The flesh, the disordered desires, and the spirit, the good way of God that he has shown us, his love. What we have to realize is that we don't bear these fruit, the fruit of love, on our own. It's something that is produced solely through a growing relationship with God. You see, our flesh tends to go the opposite way. But when we live in the spirit, when we live in a growing relationship with God, his love comes into our life and it starts to produce the fruit of love. So it's not something you just choose to do. Like, I'm just going to love people better today. No, to love people better, to produce agape love, the great love of God, we must have a growing relationship with God and we must be walking in step with him. It comes from the spirit, not from our own flesh. So as we get, get back to this point that we were on, right? I could ask an 
application question here, right? I could say, you know, are you focused on others? I could go through this list. Are you patient? Are you kind? Do you not envy? You know, I could go through this whole entire list. While this is a good question, we must ask ourselves to evaluate it just evaluates our nature and our t- tendencies, but it does not give us a solution. The question I have for you as we finish this point is, are you living in the flesh or are you living in the spirit? You cannot continually produce this type of love without the spirit of God in your life. The third thing that we see is that love lasts forever. Again, a simple simple statement. It says in verse eight that love never ends. Love never ends. It says, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. And end. These things will not last. Everything in this world will one day fade away. You can build up as much as you can, as you want in this short life, but the only thing that will last for eternity is love. It's the love that God has shown us and it's the love that you can show others through him. So what is most important to you? If everything will fade away, how do we bring God's love into every part of our life? The world in which we live is a sinful society. This is not just because of the people out there, but it's because of the people in here as well. It's our flesh, we're sinful. This leads to a society that is sinful as well. We're not perfect. Yet 1 John 2, 15 to 17 tells us to not love the world because it's passing away. Do not love the world or the things in this world. If If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lusts is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. If we cannot love, if we love the world, we cannot love God at the same time. Just like the spirit and the flesh. We can't live in the spirit and the flesh in the same moment. And we cannot love the world and love God and the world being the sinful society we live in. We can't not love the world and love God at the same time. They are opposed to each other. Now this doesn't mean we stop life and stop doing life. We have things to do, right? Like, We work, we have families, we have all kinds of things going on in our life and we don't just stop that all, but we must bring the love of God into every part of our life. 
We oftentimes compartmentalize our faith and we have it on Sundays, but yet we don't bring it into the other parts of our life. We don't bring it into work because at work, you know, we can't be loving. We got to, you know, get what we get, right? We got to make money. We got to, you know, we got to bring it into every part and to show agape love, it takes choice and it takes sacrifice, takes sacrifice. That means giving up something. Giving up money you could make. Giving up frustration. Giving up a tradition. Giving up, I mean, we could go on and on. It's giving up something to show someone else this form of love. You know, I think back on the life of Adoniram Judson. Judson Baptist Church is named after this man, Adam Niram Judson, who was a missionary uh, to the people of Burma, the Burmese people. And he left everything to go share the love of Christ with these people. Him and his new wife got on a boat, didn't really know where they were going other than that they knew they wanted to show the love of Christ to people that don't know it. So they sailed across the sea, ended up through a lot of different circumstances, ended up in Burma. And it was a hard and slow road for them. Adoniram was put in prison. They had children pass away. His wife, Anne, passed away. He remarried after living kind of in depression for a period of time, then remarried, lost his second wife on the mission field, lost more children on the mission field, but kept trying to translate the word of God, trying to show the love of God to the people in Burma. Took years before they saw the first person come to know Christ. But through his legacy, a group of people came to know the love of God. And on his part, it took sacrifice. It took giving up a whole lot more than a lot of us in this room are willing to give up. So are you willing to sacrifice a little part of your life, to sacrifice your own fleshly desires to show the love of Christ to a world around us that needs it. Everything in this world will fade away. What are you willing to sacrifice? If you really think about it in terms of the fact that it will all fade away, you're not really sacrificing a lot, right? Because it's gonna be gone at some point. Love lasts for eternity. What are you willing to sacrifice to experience and show eternal love? As we close, I wanna bring this all back together for us. We have looked at love. We have discovered how valuable it is, how the most powerful form of love comes from God. He has given us the perfect example of it and his love lasts forever. We've also realized our tendency to be selfish and prideful 
and not show this love or live in this love. The only way to overcome our flesh in the world is to walk in the spirit. To bear the fruit of love in our life, we must spend time with God. We must renew our lives with him and let that overflow into the rest of our lives. So if you are struggling with love, the solution is not to just decide to love more. It's to live in the love that God has shown you to let that renew you daily and let that produce the fruit of love in your life. I have two questions for us today. Are you living in your flesh and loving the world and therefore, because of this, have no capacity to have and show the love of Christ? Or are you abiding, are you living in the Lord and therefore letting the spiritual fruit of love produce in your life? Let's evaluate this for a moment in our lives. Because we're busy people, right? We have a lot going on. I pulled up some stats of how average Americans spend their time each day. And it fills up pretty quickly. About seven hours of sleep, eight hours working, one hour of driving, an hour of eating, three hours on a phone, three hours watching TV, says over seven hours of screen time total. That includes like work and stuff. One hour of driving. If you add all that up, that's 24 hours right there. That doesn't include homework, extracurriculars, dishes, laundry, cutting grass, shopping, endless house projects, right? Our lives are busy. This might not indicate exactly what your life looks like, but Our lives are busy. The pace in Nashville, Tennessee is a busy pace. There's always something going on and there's always something to do. So how much time does that leave for the Lord? In other words, how much time does that leave for the love of God in your life? Do we live to fulfill the tasks of this world or do we live to fulfill the great commission? Do we live our life to be in relationship with the momentary reality that we live in or do we live to be in relationship with a transcendent God? Do you live such a busy life that you have no time for God and therefore have no capacity to bear the spiritual fruit of love in your life. If love is truly as important as we have seen in scripture today, as we have seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if, love, if the only way to experience and produce this valuable love is through the spirit, then we must, it's imperative, we must make time for God 
we must go to him daily. We must renew our lives with his love daily. You know, as we continue and look at the different fruits of the spirit, this will be a continual theme because for us to produce any of the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, for us to produce any of those fruits, we must live in the spirit. They're not produced by our own volition. They are produced through a growing relationship with God. So this week I have a simple challenge for you. Take some time and throughout the week, read the book of 1 John. It talks all about the love God has for us. I read some of it. We read it a moment ago during our worship service. But take time, slowly. You don't have to read it all in one sitting. But renew your life with the love that God has for us. Let his love come into your life and let that overflow and let that bear the spiritual fruit of love in your everyday life. And as we finish, I wanna say this. If you have never experienced this love, this amazing love that God has shown us. If you've never given your life to Christ and trusted him to save you of your sins, today could be that day. As we finish our service, we're gonna sing a song in just a moment. And I'm gonna step down to the front. And if you would like to just ask a question or to learn more about what it looks like to follow Jesus, then I encourage you at that point to come down and find me. It could feel awkward. That's okay. I feel awkward standing up here like in front of everyone while we're singing. So we can feel awkward together. We can do it together. But come and talk to me. I would love to talk to you about how to have a relationship with Jesus and to experience this great love. As we finish, I wanna pray. Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for the love that you have shown us. Let that bear fruit in our lives. Help us be encouraged and excited today about the love that you have shown us and let that overflow. As we go into work, as we go into life, as we spend time with family, as we go out to eat today, Lord, help the love that we have heard today overflow. Let it shine to the world around us. Lord, help us to walk in the spirit and overcome the flesh so that you will be glorified, Lord. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us. Let your love guide us as we go this week. In your name we pray, amen.